0: The following sermon audio is from Love City Church, Cincinnati. More audio and information about Love City Church can be found at www.mylovecitychurch.org. So we're going to continue with our series this week. Uh, We're in a sermon series called Curious. And what what does that mean? That's kind of a weird name for a sermon series, isn't it? Yeah, but it's got a point. The point is, we assume that you're curious, that you have questions. You've got things you're wrestling through and dealing with. And so a while back, we had you submit questions, and uh, we're working through those. And so we're still in the middle of that. It's been really helpful thus far and fun for me to do, uh, and I hope fun for you to be a part of. Uh, if you would, please turn with me to Matthew chapter 28, and we're going to look at uh, verses 16 through 20 today. Uh, this is, this is where we're going to launch from, but we're going to need to consider <clears throat> quite a bit of additional scripture in order to navigate our way through our, our study today. Uh, our question today is one that I'm, I'm really pretty pretty super excited to dig into with all of you it's it's another example of a, a well worded inquiry that's come in <clears throat> and they gave me lots of context thankfully uh, of understanding where they were coming from but I've boiled it down to this summary, okay? So here's the summary question that we're gonna be dealing with today. Are some people more gifted to share the gospel than others? Are some people more gifted to share the gospel than others? And I, I think some of this may have been, and I'm getting this even from uh, the help that, that this f- person gave me in writing the question, some of it might be spurred from the reality that we encourage you every week at the end of our gathering, to go and tell somebody about Jesus. But what does that mean? We don't explain it every week. Um, and the question is, can that look different for different people, with different giftings and in different seasons of life? Uh, is, is the only way to accomplish this by sharing the truth of the gospel with, with those who do not uh, yet know or follow Jesus? Is, is it limited to that? We're going to deal with all of that today. Uh, I do want to say this as well, just kind of to prepare you, give you a heads up. I I normally don't ask you to flip to additional verses when we're studying together like this. And part of the reason for that is I know that some of you are still learning how to navigate your Bible, which is totally fine. And so I don't, I don't want to have you turn into a bunch of verses normally and then getting lost and then not being able to kind of stay connected to what's being said. But, um, and if that's you, don't, please don't get discouraged. Um, just keep on at it. You'll you'll get it, okay. Um, but if that's if that's you, and and basically there's we're gonna hit some blocks of verses today. That if if you can flip there quick, I'd probably suggest that you do it because I'm gonna deal with a bunch. Uh, but if if that's not you and you need to kind of stay grounded in Matthew where we're at, I, I would just encourage you that today you're gonna have to pay really close attention and stay really dialed in in order not to get lost, okay? Because we got some big work to do. So. I would suggest, if if that's you, being ready to write down the verses that I'm reading so that you can go and look at them later, or even, and you're going to be surprised to hear this from me, or even open a note in your phone uh, if, if you don't have anything to write with, just so you can jot those down and that way you can look at them later. But uh, if you do open a note in your phone, just ignore those little red icons that are trying to pull you into another app, okay? Uh, the truth is it, it doesn't... It doesn't matter how good of a multitasker we think we are. Um, we definitely should not be scrolling, you know, Snapface, TikTokagram, or whatever the new app is uh, that's come out to try to distract us uh, when God's word is being preached, okay? So, in case you didn't know that, uh, that's, that's not the right move, okay? That's, and that's not just today, by the way, because of what we're working through. Okay. All right, let's get to work. Uh, Matthew 28. As I said, we're going to look at verses 16 through 20. This will anchor us, but we're going to be looking at lots of verses today. So here we go. But the eleven disciples proceeded to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had designated. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some were doubtful. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Praise God for his word. So one thing that I, you know, I can't touch this without just pulling your attention to this fact. These are some of the last recorded words we have from Jesus to his disciples. So for me, that, It just automatically makes it a big deal. It makes me really want to pay attention and understand the heart of of what he's saying here. Uh, You know, he was he was here. He did ministry with these guys for several years. Said lots of things to them. Said lots of things in their presence. But this is what he chose to say right before he ascended back to the Father. Okay, so I I would say all the words of Jesus super important compared to other words uh, out there. But these ones in particular, I think we should key into and understand. They're very important. <clears throat> and the fact that this is one of the last things Jesus said to his men is part of the reason why our mission here at Love City includes make disciples. Our mission here is to love God, love people, and make disciples. And that phrase, make disciples, even as maybe churchy or weird as that may sound to some people, it's, it's the words of our master, and it's crucial that we don't water this down to try to make it more palatable for those who do not yet understand its importance. It's not something that we can water down. It's, it's intentional. The words matter. Uh, and why am I saying that? Well, partially it's because Jesus said he wanted us to make disciples. He didn't say go and make converts. And what's the difference? Maybe you haven't thought about that before. Well, There's a, there's a pretty big difference. A convert is somebody that believes something, okay? A disciple is somebody that believes something with such conviction that they're swept into participating in the spreading of that belief. They're a part of perpetuating the doctrine or the idea. And you might be saying, well, where'd you come up with that, buddy? That's all well and good, but did you just make that up? You can go kick it with your brother, Merriam-Webster, and get the same idea, okay? Here's the Webster definition of a disciple, one who accepts okay, and assists in spreading the doctrines of another. Okay? So Jesus wants disciples. He, we're not settling for converts. He wants disciples. So the first thing in, we have to do in answering this question, are, are some people more gifted in sharing the gospel than others? Right off rip, you need to decide. You have to decide if you're going to let the glorious weight of this great commission rest upon your shoulders as it should. If you're a believer, if you're a follower of Jesus, his intention is for you to be a disciple. And that means automatically that his intention is for you to be a disciple maker. Okay? Are you going to accept that? Are you going to buy that? That is what we're presented in the scriptures as far as Jesus' perspective, which is the only one that really matters on this subject, and lots of subjects. Jesus is looking for disciples, not just converts. And what does that mean? To to taste the sweetness of and and to be satisfied by the bread of life, okay? It brings brings with it a non-negotiable command to share him with others. If you've tasted the sweetness of Christ, if you've been satisfied by the bread of life that only he provides, that you, you can't just take that and and hoard it for yourself. That's it's not that's not what he intended. And if if you think you can, <clears throat> you're mistaken. We're called to make disciples. And based on your silence, I'm assuming there's some buts out there, because <laughs> uh, I heard a half of a half-hearted amen somewhere off in this section, and everyone else is pretty quiet at the moment. So what does that mean? Well, I, I know this is hard, okay, because the idea of being a disciple maker, man, that's that sounds like a lot of responsibility, sounds like a pretty big deal, I don't know if I do want to own that. Well, again, if you belong to Jesus, you don't really have an option, but... And we'll work more on that. But this is, I think, sometimes where the buts tend to begin. One of your buts could be, what if I don't feel called? You know, you're talking real confident, but what if I, personally, I don't feel called to make disciples? Uh, Well, Jesus made clear here, if you're going to be a part of his kingdom and you're going to follow him, he makes disciples, not converts, and disciples make disciples. So if you belong to him, you are called congratulations, you got your calling today. Amen. There you go. Now, you know, okay. So that's, that butt uh, doesn't carry any water. Okay. Now what's, what's, what are some others? But what if, what if I don't feel, what if I don't feel qualified? Okay. That's, that one annoys me much less than I don't feel called. (laughs) Okay. Don't come at me with that one. All right. Amen. Uh, what if I don't feel called? Well, if that's you and you're serious about it, that's not just kind of an escape hatch to avoid the responsibility, I, I would say this. If you don't feel qualified, good. Stay that way the rest of your life and don't ever think you're qualified in yourself to declare the excellencies of Christ and the hope of eternal glory found in him alone. Amen. Amen. I would encourage you to tremble forever at the thought that the holy one and the only one who can call himself I am, tremble at the thought of him using you to communicate the good news of his gospel to the world. Absolutely. Stay there forever. But also remember this, friends. It, this whole thing was never Predicated on our qualifications. It was never about our qualifications at all. It was always about His. That's why He makes this big call. He sets this glorious weight of this great commission to go and make disciples. He sets it upon us. But right afterwards, He says, Lo, I am with you, even to the end of the age. He never wants you to be confused for one second that this is going to be about you, your strength, your ability. We're not, we're not taking a step in the right direction without his help and his power and his ability. Amen. Some might think, but, but what, if, what if people scorn or reject me if I actively move towards making disciples and sharing the gospel? What if people scorn or reject me? To that, I would say, I mean, for sure that's gonna happen. <laughs> If you step into this in a world that, you know, the Bible's clear, the, the gospel, it's, it's foolishness to the unbelieving. The whole world is based upon a merit system where you get what you earn, and, and if, you, if you're good, you get good. If you're bad, you get bad. The, the idea of the gospel that you're the problem, that you're a sinner and a perfect holy God would come and, and solve the problem for you and just ask you to trust him, it doesn't, it doesn't compute. It's, it's not the way our natural mind is framed to, understand things. And so sure. Uh, And then there's all kinds of other reasons why people may be upset at God. It may be for reasons that aren't aren't really even fair. Um, It may be beliefs they have about what he does or why he does it that doesn't really line up with what's revealed in his word. But in any case, if you're going to move out into the world and you're going to take seriously the call to be a disciple maker and a gospel sharer, you absolutely at times are going to uh, be scorned. That's going to happen. Um, but I'm hoping that if we really think about it, we would see that we should, we should have no, no fear of this reality. On one side, it's simply, again, I would call your attention back to the fact that Jesus said, lo, I am with you, okay? So if, if Jesus is with me, and he's moving in a direction, and, I, and I'm following him and moving in the same direction, and, and somebody else, anybody else, regardless of how powerful they are or how mean they are or whatever they are, if they come against us, I'm feeling like I'm in a pretty good position, right? Because I'm tough? No, because I'm with him, right? I'm just not that worried because we're talking about Jesus here, the king of all things, mighty. So there's that, but on the other side, I guess from another perspective, think about this. Imagine for a minute that you have, you have like Scrooge McDuck money, Okay, You guys know who Scrooge McDuck is? He had the tower full of gold coins and swam in it. That's how much money he had? Raise your hand if you know who Scrooge McDuck is and leave it down if you don't know who Scrooge McDuck is. Okay, good. Good Lord, I was terrified that that reference. If y'all don't know who Scrooge McDuck was, I don't know know what to do. (laughs) I'm stuck. Okay. So just imagine for a minute you got Scrooge McDuck money, like swimming in vaults of gold money, okay? And you decided because of that, that you're going to go out once a month with a million dollars and you're going to find someone to give it to. Because who cares, right? I'm swimming in gold coins. So and maybe you like blessing people. So that's, that's, I'm going to go out once a month, briefcase, full of hundos, full of Benjamins, right? And I'm going to just give it to somebody, all right? Here's my question to you. If you're doing that, how afraid would you be that someone might say, no, I don't want that? Uh Uh-oh, some of you already, I heard a couple, wee, right, you know where I'm going. Here's the question, would you be self-conscious about someone rejecting that gift, or would you figure, well, it's a bummer for them, I guess I'll find somebody else that wants this briefcase full of Benjamins, right? I'm not gonna be real self-conscious or shrink back from the fact that that person decided to reject the the briefcase with a million dollars. But friends, here's what that points out. A lot of our fear around sharing the gospel It comes from not believing how precious and valuable it is ourselves. Because I don't think most of you would be scared to go out and offer people a million dollars. You'd kind of, if they rejected it, you'd kind of be like, well, (laughs) you're lost. But why don't we feel the same way? About the gospel. About the truth that there's hope in Christ. Because this truth that God has made salvation possible... By grace, through faith, in the finished work of Christ, it is the treasure of all treasures. It is the pearl of great price. (laughs) Its value and preciousness far exceeds a briefcase full of Benji's. Amen. Are we okay this morning? Can someone say amen to that? If you're not going to say amen to anything else in this sermon, that's a good spot right there. The gospel is far more valuable than a measly million bucks or however many of those benjis you can stuff in a briefcase. I don't care what number you get to. Man, we're talking about eternal salvation by grace through faith in Christ alone. We're talking about eternal joy and the absence of all of the brokenness that sin has created in the world. Man, that's precious. That's valuable. And just because you offer it to somebody and they can't see it, why, why would we shrink back from that? Well, some of it is because sometimes we don't quite see it. Lord, help us with that. Amen. Help us, Lord. Here's the last but, and it's going to open us. It's going to open us up into more directly dealing with the question. Um, and there's a lot more to consider as we do it. So. The last but I can think of is, well, well, but doesn't the Bible say that people have different gifts? Maybe, maybe I'm just not gifted to share Jesus with people. Well, and that's I'm, we're going to spend, for the most part, the preponderance of our time looking at that idea together, okay? So first I want to deal with the fallacy around the role of leaders in the church. So I'm going to go to Ephesians 4, okay? So if you're a super Bible turner and you want to roll with me, go ahead. Um, if not, just write that down. I'm in Ephesians 4, and you can check it out later. Uh, if you're not going to turn there, just listen closely, because like I said, I, I, I am going to read a bunch of Scripture, but I, I can't do this well without doing that, okay? So praise the Lord. I'm in Ephesians 4. I'm going to start in verse 1. Uh, and probably 1 through 5, I, I don't necessarily need, but man, it's just so good and sets the context up. So you're getting it. Here we go. Therefore I, this is Paul writing, the prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, being diligent to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you also were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all, and in all. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led captive the captives, and he gave gifts to the people. Now this expression, he ascended, what does it mean except that he also descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is himself also he who ascended far above all the heavens, so that he might fill all things. 9 and 10 there, Paul's kind of jabbing at a theological debate. It's a little bit of a side trail, but then in 11, he kind of, we pick back up into what we're here for. And he gave some, right? So it talks about that, that according to the measures of the grace of Christ, gifts have been given. Verse 11, and he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers. And so sometimes what unfortunately happens is people will read this and they would say to me, "Well, well, there you have it pastor Vince, you just proved yourself wrong because I'm not one of those. I'm not an evangelist, I'm not an apostle, I'm not a pastor or a teacher. I'm I'm none of those things. Uh, so I mean isn't isn't that why why are why are you why are you trying to put this responsibility for disciple making on me? God gave the the church leaders, isn't isn't that what they're supposed to do? Is make disciples? And I can see where you can get that, but i got a deep theological answer for you. Nope. Here's, and I don't even have to, I'm not going to have to stretch, I'm not going to have to string together a set of verses to to lead you to this point. We're just going to keep reading. We just read 4.11. Let me show you what the leaders God appoints in his church are supposed to be doing. Okay, so verse 11 was he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some evangelists, some as pastors and teachers. Why? Why, Lord, why did you do that? So that they can make disciples and everyone else can just consume Christian goods and services? No. Verse 12, for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. So God gives leaders, anoints leaders in the church For what? To prepare a very nice, comfy environment for you to come and be a consumer? No, to prepare you, the saints, for the work of the ministry. He goes on, until, keep doing that, until we all attain to the unity of the faith, to the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. So, Leaders, keep doing this. Keep preparing the saints for the work of the ministry. Keep making disciples. Keep doing this great and glorious work, coming alongside God's process of sanctification in people until when? Until we measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Well, that means forever. <laughs> Unless, I mean, if you're here today and saying, yeah, I think, I think if I measure myself against Christ, yeah, I'm, I'm all the way there. See me after. We got some stuff to talk about. Okay, love you. It'll be rough, on the rough side probably, so just be ready for that. Amen. So, leaders are supposed to equip all the saints for the work of the ministry. Okay? And so what is the work of the ministry? What is the work of the ministry? It's making disciples. Period. Let me say this to you. I don't know if you know this. I hope that you do. If you didn't before now, you're about to. Here at Love City Church, we believe all that we do, all that we do, every single thing we do should be to accomplishing the end, that end of making disciples. And we should not do anything. We should do nothing that doesn't contribute to accomplishing to that end. Jesus made our mission and our purpose very clear, to make disciples. And so everything that we do all that, every part of ministry, every component. And that's why maybe sometimes there's certain programs or good ideas, things that could be done that when we run it through the grid of, can we easily connect that dot to the dot of the primary mission Jesus gave us of making disciples? If it's not clear, then we're probably not gonna do it. God has called us in Christ to make disciples. That's the work of the ministry. So whether you... Uh, help as an usher, or I mean, it's obvious when you, if if you're a part of helping us disciple the kids, I mean, we, we don't, (laughs) we don't call it kids church. We don't call it church ministry or kids ministry. We call it children's discipleship, kids discipleship, just so no one's ever confused about what we're doing right there. So that's pretty easy. If you serve in kids discipleship, obviously you're a part of making disciples. If you, if you help us to do any part of what happens on Sunday mornings, right? uh, Why do we gather like this? to make disciples. It's all, it's all baked into that primary mission. We, and we're not going to do anything that doesn't contribute to that. Okay. Amen. I hope you're happy about that. I am because it's easy to get distracted. It's really hard to stay focused in this world. Can somebody say amen to that? Anybody know about that? Yeah, man. (laughs) A lot of things you could be doing. A lot of good ideas, but, and that, that doesn't mean we're not creative and there's not wide lanes for how to do that, but man, you don't want to get away from that primary mission. So, uh, and I want to also say just, of course, we won't have a shot of doing that if we don't believe that God loved us first and then love him in return and then love people in response to his love for us and out of love for him, right? So why would I say all that? Well, that's why the first two parts of our mission is to love God and love people. You're not going to make disciples effectively if you've not yet tasted and understood and experienced the love of God and your motive for making disciples isn't love for him and love for people. Amen. Okay. Just don't want to get that twisted. Amen. Now, let's so that kind of handles the fallacy of well, there's there's leaders, there's there's like super spiritual Christians and then there's the rest of us and the super spiritual Christians should be the ones making disciples and I should be able to just kind of, you know, float around, bump on a log and do my thing and uh, be a consumer. And that's just absolutely not the model we were given. Okay, so that doesn't work. Now, let's look at a couple of texts that refer to various giftings among the whole church. Okay, so it's not just the gift of leaders talked about in Ephesians 4. I'm gonna read you a couple texts uh, that talk about a a diversity of giftings within the body, and let's see how that fits into this conversation. Okay, so I'm in 1 Corinthians 12 to begin with. So again, super Bible flippers, go ahead. The rest of you just write it down. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1. Okay, Uh, here we go. Now concerning spiritual gifts. Okay, so we're on the nose here. He's about to address spiritual gifts. Brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be unaware You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to the mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of ministries, and the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all these things in all persons. Verse 7, but to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit, and to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit. And to another the effecting of miracles, and to another prophecy, and to another the distinguishing of spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as he wills. Okay, so that's important, verse 11, because that answers how we receive these gifts, these empowerments uh, in order to uh, serve. It, It comes from the Spirit, all right? And he distributes to those each one individually as he wills. But also... We're not going to read all the way down there because um, I already got a bunch to go over with you. But if you read down to verse 31 of 1 Corinthians 12, so if you just keep going, same flow of thought, you'll see that we also can desire and ask God for these gifts as well. He talks about earnestly desiring the greater gifts. And so there is an element in which God in his sovereignty by the Holy Spirit distributes these gifts to people so that they can serve and be a blessing. Uh, but also, there's, a, there's also a, an element in which we can we can eagerly desire, Paul says, and pray for and ask God for these gifts. Uh, Not so that we can feel super spiritual and show off or, you know, whatever, but because out of a love motivation, we want to be able to serve people in these ways. Okay, so he continues, uh, for just as the body is one and yet has many parts, and all the parts of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ for by one spirit we were all baptized into one body whether Jews or Greeks whether slaves or free and we were all made to drink of one spirit okay so we we just read about all these different types of gifts okay but what are they for that's that's the question what are they for so God's saying he's got he's got one body all of his people they 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 got their different parts and he distributes a variety of gifts but they all are meant to function as, and we're to see it as, one body of believers, the body of Christ. And and he gives all these different gifts, so what are they for? Verse 7 says they are for the common good. Verse 7 says they're for the common good. But what does that mean? Okay, let me read verses 4 through 6 again to you, and then 12 through 13. I know I already read it, but I'm going to read it again. Here's what we're looking to answer. The common good, what is the common good he's talking about? What is in Paul's mind as he's writing out and laying out? He says, I don't want you guys to be unaware about spiritual gifts. So let me explain some of how this works to you. All right. What, but what is it? What is the, what is the context? What is the focus? What are we looking at? Okay. So I'm going to read four through six again. Help think through this with me. See if we can answer the question. All right. Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are varieties of ministries in the same Lord. There are a variety of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. Okay? And let's look at 12 through 13. For just as one... So he starts that way. Then he goes into laying out all those gifts. 12 through 13. For just as the body is one and yet has many parts and all the parts are of the body, though there are many, are one body and so also is Christ. For by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, all made to drink of one spirit. Okay? What we see here in context, and we're gonna, there's more, we're gonna look at more verses that show us this. What we're gonna see is that primarily, the focus when Paul is talking about the, these diversity of gifts and what the good of that is, why did God do it? His focus is on Primarily, us ministering to one another within the body, not ministering to the outside world, okay? Now, I know you probably don't buy that yet. We've got more work to do. And and I do want to say this. What I'm not saying is we never use these gifts for the good of those who do not yet follow Jesus. But their primary function is for the common good of the body, evangelism or sharing the gospel is not the main focus when Paul discusses a variety of gifts. And it's not just Paul. And I'll show you that. Okay. Now I know some of you might still be thinking, I don't know, buddy. I'm not sure about that. Okay. Well, let's try, let's try Romans. If Corinthians wasn't convincing, let's try Romans. Uh, I'm in chapter 12. I'm going to start in verse 3. For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think. Woo, that's a good refrigerator verse right there. Mm-mm-mm. Thank you, Lord. But to think so as to have sound judgment, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. For just as we have many parts in one body, and all the body's parts do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ and individually parts of another. Okay. So what's his focus? Who's he talking about? The body of Christ, right? However, since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to use them properly. If, proper, if prophecy in proportion to one's faith, if service in the act of serving, or the one who teaches in the act of teaching, or the one who exhorts in the work of exhortation, the one who gives with generosity, the one who's in leadership with diligence, the one who shows mercy with cheerfulness. What are you talking about, Paul? What are these gifts for? Where are they pointed? What's the purpose? Verse nine, love must be free of hypocrisy, detest what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. This is a household discussion, okay? Not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, Persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer, contributing to the needs of the saints and practicing hospitality. Again, I'm going to cover it. I know some of you are like short-circuiting right now. Look, I know we are not only to do good within the household of faith. That's, I mean, if you've been around the scriptures for any amount of time, you know that, and I'm going to cover that very clearly in just a minute. But what I'm trying to show you is, when it comes to discussions of the diversity of gifts within the body, Particularly, the context, the focus, it, as far as I can see, is always in-house. It's, evangelism isn't really in view, okay? All right. <clears throat> the primary view of the differing gifts is service to one another in the body of Christ. And for those of you that are, that are struggling with this idea, I understand, it's maybe, it's maybe an assault on the way we've thought about it, but <clears throat> that, that whole idea that we're meant to serve each other in the body of Christ, all, the, all that beautiful encouragement Paul just gave us, that is meant to be a witness to the watching world, okay? That one of the ways that this, these giftings that the Spirit gives us in order to serve one another faithfully and to outdo one another in showing honor and all of these beautiful things Paul just encourages us to within the household of faith— one of the ways that contributes to this process of going into all the world to let them know there's hope in Christ is, is that when we love each other that well, we serve each other that humbly, when, we, when, when it's, it's obvious that we, there's a supernatural ability far beyond what people would do naturally in the way those folks love and serve one another, that absolutely in itself is meant to be a witness to the watching world of the power of God and the reality of his gospel, the truthfulness of his scriptures. Okay? 100%. So it's always tied to that that greater mission and that that going into all the world. Um, But in in case you think, maybe I'm off my rocker and Paul's off his rocker, Uh, you're like, man, I I don't know, I don't like this. I just, let me show you this. He's really, Paul here is expanding on, he's giving more detail to something that Jesus already said, John 13, 34. I'm giving you a new commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you that you also love one another. And you might be thinking, well, uh, well, well, yeah, but one another means all humans. That's what he means. Well, does he? Because then the next verse he says, by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. See, Jesus makes a distinction. When he says, you guys love one another as a witness to the reality that you belong to me, it's, it's not a broad, that's right there in particular is not a broad command about loving everybody. It's about us loving each other within the household of faith, and that that will reflect something beautiful to all people. Okay? There's a, there's a dividing line here in this verse. There's two, two groups of people. One another and all people. Okay? You guys confused? You don't like this? What's going on? Was the coffee bad this morning? Were you okay? I know, I know, I told you, this is a lot. we got a lot of work to do, but this is import- it's important that we think about this right. It's, I want to think about it like Jesus thinks about it. So, okay. <clears throat> now, keep, so, standing by all of that, but let's flip the coin for everyone that's, you know, hyperventilating right now. Of course, Jesus has told us to love our neighbor, Okay. And when he was challenged on what that meant, he used the parable of the good Samaritan to tell us that when he says, love your neighbor, that means everybody. So of course, we serve and sacrifice for the good of all people, right? Of course, that's a part of what it means to be a Christ follower. But again, what I'm trying to show you is that the primary context of every discussion about various gifts within the body that we have in the scriptures, the primary context for that is it has to do with service within the body of Christ. Okay? That matters. That matters if the question is, or if maybe what we're tempted to do is think, oh, well, God doesn't even want to use me to share the gospel with people. That's, he gives other people like that. Not, not me. And I'm not assuming a, a nefarious motive there that you just like don't want to do it. I think some people genuinely have been duped out of participation in this great and glorious commission to share the gospel because somebody convinced them, maybe the devil, (laughs) that they weren't particularly gifted for that. So they just were sidelined. How tragic. Because to participate in this great and glorious mission of sharing the gospel with people is, I don't know, like the highest honor a human can possibly have. Right? To be able to offer people that pearl of great price? Amen. <clears throat> the reason I'm laboring over this is to try to show you that the discussion around various gifts in the body of Christ, it does not supersede or circumvent the clear command for all of us to participate in the mission of making disciples that we see in Matthew 28. It, it just doesn't, Okay. Now, I know you. I may have some holdouts out there. You might still be saying, I don't know, buddy. I don't know. I don't know. Jesus and Paul, maybe they got confused about this. Well, do you like Peter? Let's try Peter, all right? 1 Peter 4, starting in verse 7. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be of sound judgment and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another, because love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to... One another without complaint, as each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the multifaceted grace of God. The language here clearly is, you've received a special gift, employ it in serving one another. Who? Everybody, all humans, as good stewards of the multifaceted grace of God. Stewards of the multifaceted grace of God are the ones who have tasted and seen the grace of God and then have a responsibility to steward it. Yes, it's the household of faith. Whoever speaks is to, and, and then he uses some similar language we heard, Paul. Whoever speaks is to uh, do so as one who is speaking actual words of God. Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God, which God supplies. So that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Okay. Peter, Paul and Jesus agree um, if you don't agree at this point you're in the minority, okay uh, I would stick with Jesus Paul and Peter if I were you um, this also this idea that we're seeing unpacked here it's also why s- kind of the <clears throat> it's why this, the like solo Christianity or um, like I like Jesus but not the church like type stuff that's a it's, it's, it's why it's a total farce, man. If you read the New Testament, you understand that, that <laughs> salvation, yes, there, there, is a, there is a personal element in which you have to come to the reckoning point of understanding that you're a sinner and you need a savior, but you are, you are not saved into just an individual relationship between you and Jesus. You are saved into the body of Christ. There's no getting around that, okay? Okay. If the blood of Christ redeems you, you are brought into this thing. Whether you like it or not, that's that's the only way it goes. Um, and and reading, reading through these verses, it just, maybe maybe this would be something to mark down because I know you guys are dealing with this, this idea that comes up. It's, it's a common phrase. I heard it last, this last week. Um, I, <laughs> I wasn't in a position to, it just wasn't the right time and place to get into it but basically there's a discussion about participation in church you know i, I don't really i don't ask people where do you go to church i I, th- I think that's a misleading unhelpful phrase i always ask them are you a part of a church or what church are you a part of uh because church isn't a place you go it's not a service you attend it's a people you belong to amen uh so that that discussion is kind of happening in this this i I think she was, I'll just tell you, it was, it, was the, it was the little barbecue luncheon after my grandma's funeral, okay? So this is why this wasn't really the place for me to like get into <laughs> this discussion. <laughs> so anyways, we're sitting there eating brisket, having this discussion about, you know, uh, churches people are part of and what's going on. And, and this, this, I think she's like the girlfriend of a distant relative. I don't even know who she was, but she pipes up very confidently and says, yeah, well, you know, we know the deal. You don't have to go to church to be a Christian, <laughs> and Ryan, my brother is sitting across from me also eating brisket. And I swear I heard an audible noise, like a grunt come out of him, but he, he says he did like, it, I don't know, maybe I just felt it in the spirit, but I just kept my head down and kept eating my brisket because again, this was not, I mean, if I, be, can I just be totally honest with you guys, I really just wanted to put my fork down and be like, you know, that is pitiful ecclesiology. Is that really what you believe? Like, that's really what I wanted to say to her, but we're at grandma's funeral luncheon, so it's just not the time, okay, to debate ecclesiology with somebody. But I mean, gosh, that annoys me. Read your Bible. Yes, yes, you are going to be a part of a church if you belong to Jesus, okay? And I know there's a lot of people who've been hurt by churches and church leaders. I'm in that club. I have the t-shirt, okay? I'm with you. But friends, there is no category for a Jesus follower not connected to and participating in the life of a community of believers, okay? There's no category for that in the New Testament. You can't find it, you can't read it in. It doesn't exist. And so if if there's no category for a Jesus follower not connected and participating in the life of a community of believers, participating and being connected in the life of a community of believers, that doesn't happen, okay? It doesn't happen through some vague inward-only association with the church universal, okay? It only happens through all the messiness and vulnerability of commitment to a local body of believers. It's the only way it happens. <clears throat> I mean, mother of Moses, I get tired of hearing that phrase. You don't have to go to church to be a Christian. <sighs> okay, okay. The main point I'm trying to show you is that every time a variety of gifts among the church shows up in scripture, okay, if you really look at the context, using them to serve the body of Christ is the focus, okay? And let me say this, using the variety of gifts the Holy Spirit gives us to serve the body of Christ absolutely is, of course it is, a part of making disciples because discipleship is not a one-time thing. It's not a program that you complete. Okay, it's a lifelong process of being conformed more and more into the image of Christ. And so, when we are serving and loving and challenging each other in the body of Christ, that is a part of obeying Jesus' command to make disciples. Hundred percent, it is. So let's make sure we say that. Um, But when it comes to going into all the world, okay, because that's the first part. Go into all the world and make disciples. So. You don't get the idea that we can we can all just huddle together as believers and accomplish the fullness of the command. You with me? we got to go into all the world and make disciples. Step one being, hey, you're busted and you're a sinner and you need Jesus. You want to talk about it, right? I mean, some form of that, obviously. Probably don't use that as a script, but I don't know. Maybe. Uh, <clears throat> Jesus, when it comes to that going into all the world part, Jesus gave us He gave all of us a promise that he would be with us. And he kept that promise by sending us his Holy Spirit. And and because he is with us, we are, simply because he is with us, right? Jesus said, go into all the world, make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teach them to obey all that I commanded. Then what did he say? And lo, I am with you even to the end of the age. How did he accomplish that? By sending the Holy Spirit Not to be around us, not to check in with us every once in a while, but to live in us. He is with us in in and through the power of his Holy Spirit, okay? So, if we have that, if we have the Holy Spirit in us, then we are all gifted with what we need to share the good news of his gospel with those who have yet to realize that they need him. You don't need some additional specific gifting or empowerment to be somebody willing to share The beggar's bread that we found, that bread of life, that living water, that pearl of great price, okay? Now, what I don't want to do is paint a picture here that that every believer is commanded to do nothing but roam the streets with a megaphone preaching the gospel to anyone they can find, okay? I'm not doubting I mean, if if the Lord leads you to get a megaphone, amen. Be the neighborhood megaphone preacher, but that's not... I think sometimes when we have this discussion, that's, it's, it's, like, it's like that or nothing in people's minds. Man, there's a lot of ways that this, this idea that every single one of us is, is called to participate in going into all the world and making disciples, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't mean the, like, the loudest and most <clears throat> extroverted versions of evangelism that you can think of, okay? So let's make sure we're clear about that. There's, there's actually a connotation in the language of, of go, like go into all the world and make disciples. <clears throat> there's almost this idea in it, it's like as you are going. So yes, there's this idea that we need to intentionally go out for the purpose of sharing the gospel, but there's also this idea that as you're already going, as you're already navigating life, as you're already taking steps and moving through life, be intentional about sharing the gospel and making disciples, Okay. Um, the point we're we're making here today is not that every person needs to be a full-time evangelist. What I'm simply advocating for is that we have that kind of Isaiah 6 mentality, right? That when Isaiah was encountered with the glory of the Lord in the temple, his response was to say, I'm an unclean man with unclean lips, but here I am, send me. Here I am, send me. And he didn't give God some specifics of what the limitations were. He just said, Encountered with the glory of the Lord. All he said was, Here I am, send me, whatever that means. And if you know Isaiah's story, he got a pretty, pretty bum job, actually. <laughs> Preaching to a bunch of people that weren't going to listen, but that's besides the point. Um, Here I am, send me. What I'm advocating for is that we have open eyes, and open ears, and open hearts, and that we are looking for and praying for opportunities to pour living water into the parched hearts of people. At our jobs, and in our neighborhoods, at the store, or school, or sports, wherever we find ourselves. And in saying this, and in talking this way, we, we also need to make sure we don't discount ministry to our children and our families and you should never end up in condemnation over this because there are different seasons of life. It, it, is, it is a totally different animal to have young children in your house and trying to disciple them and raise them and keep them breathing, right? That's a totally different animal than when you don't. Any parents say amen to that? You know that's true? Or did I make that up? Okay? Um, and that's just one example. Sometimes there's all different types of, Situations that could mean a, a different approach in how, you, how, how the Lord grants you that great privilege of sending you. Sending you can look different in different seasons. We need to make sure we're open to that. And we don't have a narrow understanding of what participation in the Great Commission means. It's, there's actually a lot of ways God can send us. But I want you to at least be open to all of them. That's what I'm advocating for. Please don't put restrictions on the Lord and what he can do with you or what he wants to do with you based on the idea that you're not particularly gifted for this or that. I think the right answer in light of the beauty of the gospel, in light of the glory of God revealed in Christ is here I am, send me. Lord, whatever that means, I'm not putting limits on that. Amen. And I also encourage you uh, not to get caught up in comparison. Um, as I said, different seasons of life will affect this. Um, and, and on top of the power that we all have through the Holy Spirit to share the hope of Christ, there are some who do seem particularly gifted for evangelism. Uh, we, we see that in Ephesians 4, but also maybe even if they wouldn't call themselves evangelists, I just, just the way God wires people, there are some people that never meet a stranger. Um, I hope it sticks, but Max is like this. I mean, ever since I've walked that kid around the block and he's been old enough in our neighborhood and it's so different, it's funny to watch him and, and Lucy, how different they are. If there's somebody like four houses up across the street, clearly doing something, not paying attention to us, he's like, hey! And Lucy, I, I literally will duck, like, duck down, try to get behind me and cover her face. Like, he's embarrassing me. So like some people just never meet a stranger. I don't know, right? Um, and and there's, there's some people that seem like they, they're, they're like a magnet for deep, spiritual, meaningful conversations. They just, you know, they're at the gas station pumping gas and somebody walks up with the tears in their eyes like, can you pray for me? Like, okay, yeah, awesome, let's do that, right? So I, I know that, I know that there, are <clears throat> there are maybe exceptions around this, but I don't want you to compare yourself to those people and think, oh, well, I'm not like that, so that means God can't or won't use me in this way, Right? So, you know, it it may be a particular gifting from God as far as that's concerned, but it could also be practice. Maybe they're just further along in being aware of opportunities. Maybe they've just been walking through life with that lens a little longer than you, but I want you to never compare or condemn yourself because of that. I would encourage you instead, if, if you know people like that, you'd be tempted to compare yourself to when it comes to the things we're talking about. I would encourage you to you know, instead of being condemned and thinking, man, they're, I'm a wretch and they're doing so much better than me. Um, I mean, if they're walking with God like that, they will not mind at all if you come and humbly ask them to pray with you to help you have that kind of open eyes, open ears, open heart approach. So ask them to pray for you. Um, ask, ask for them to, to help teach you and, and talk to you about how it is that they move through life in that way. Um, that's an opportunity for them to minister within the body of Christ, which is a lot of why God gave them that gift anyways. So let me be clear, and I'm wrapping up. I know this has been long, and this this is kind of particularly hard to, to tackle in, in a concise form. It, was, it took a lot of work for me to figure out how to get it down this small. So if you're upset with how long this has been, I tried my best, okay? Just give me a break. This, this is a lot to try to condense into something that we can put in this, this time frame. So I, I'm summarizing now. I want to make sure you know I'm not saying, I'm not saying that, that <clears throat> you're sinning if you aren't sharing the good news about Jesus with someone who's never heard it every week. Did you hear that? What I'm not saying is you're sinning if every week you're not sharing the good news of the gospel with someone who's never heard it. But I am saying... I am saying you are disobeying Jesus if you aren't open and willing for him to use you in that way whenever he wants to. That is sinful and disobedient, okay? I'm encouraging you, I'm encouraging you today to throw away any excuses that you thought made you exempt from going into all the world. I'm asking you to throw them away. But I'm also encouraging you today to remember that loving one another within the household of faith is just as important when it comes to obeying the call of our King to make disciples. Yes, we need to go into all the world. Yes, we need to share the good news of the gospel. There's hundreds of different ways that can be done. And God may use you in a very particular way to do it that he doesn't somebody else. Amen. Praise God for that. We do need to go into all the world, but we also need to remember our goal is not to go into all the world, get somebody to the, the starting line, get them to trust in Jesus and think that's, that's it, the job is done. No, this, this call to make disciples, it's, it's a going into all the world, but it's also a, a continual process that happens within the household of faith as we all continue to grow up into that measure of the fullness, that maturity, the bar being Christ himself which means we're going to get to do this until he brings us home, however he does that. Amen? Amen. Will you pray with me? Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for this question. Uh, I thank you for the reality that um, we belong to you. (laughs) Thank you for all that that means. And I ask you to help us Help us to have the response Isaiah did. Help us not to fall into the trap that maybe somebody like Jonah did um, out, of, out of fear of whatever his complex mix of fears are. You tell us some in the word, but I mean, humans are, are complex. There's all kinds of things that would force us to try to rationalize our way out of our responsibility to go into all the world and make disciples. And Lord, we, just, we don't wanna do that. We want to stand humbly before you and say simply, here I am, send me, and truly in our hearts, mean it and, and be okay with whatever that means. And God, I just ask for your help. That's, that's all I'm asking for. The summary of this week is I'm asking you would help your people by the power of your spirit to genuinely stand before you, open to be used however you would see fit. And I'm asking you to help us by the power of your Holy Spirit to move through the world and to have eyes to see like you do. Instead of seeing people as annoyances or something to avoid, um, help us to have uh, soft hearts and open eyes to begin to see people as children that you love and as opportunities for us to be a blessing. Lord, I thank you for the encouragement that our love one for another is meant to be an incredibly strong apologetic, a witness to the world about the reality of your power. I pray that in ever-increasing measure, that would be true here at Love City Church, that our love for one another, it would be almost dumbfounding to those that don't yet understand how it's possible. May we reflect your goodness and love in all these things for your glory, Lord, most of all, but also for our good. In Jesus' name, amen.